0: Well, equities pause for a breather, but U.S. Treasuries are moving and they're moving hard at the moment. And that's resonating in the U.S. dollar where we're seeing it having its worst performance. Well, since November 2022, and that's resonating in gold, which is trading 1.7 percent away from all time highs. Silver's breaking twenty five dollars and we've got Bitcoin breaking out above thirty eight thousand at the moment. Things are moving. And that's what we explore in the trade off today. Hi there. My name's Chris Weston from Pepperstone. In two seconds, Mr. Blake Morrow will be joining us and we'll be discussing all the factors that are going on in the world of financial markets as we go into month end and also into December, where things should quieten down a little bit in terms of volume and liquidity side of things. But there are opportunities uh, for traders in all asset classes at the moment. So Mr. Blake Morrow, please come into the program. Mr. Opportunity himself. um, You know, I'm, I'm seeing quite a lot of things moving certainly fx market the dollar is being dethroned we can discuss that in a second um you know bitcoin's breaking out you know you're seeing gold having a move silver having a move equities having a breather as i talked about in the synopsis there so there are opportunities for people on the more, more, more momentum kind of focused at the moment um but you know you know you have your your, your fx um uh, analytics community are you, are you are people excited about the opportunities and people increasing trading, um, you know, frequency and bits and pieces in this market at the moment?
1: You know, that's a good question, and um, nice to be back, Chris, and good to see you guys. Um, you know, as far as the as far as the FX market goes, yeah, we're we're seeing like a grind lower in the dollar, but you know, with the S and P just kind of stationary at you know, just it seems like volatility is at what multi year lows, or uh, we're we're really really low, and you've got the S and P that's just kind of stuck, pegged to these. You know, to this resistance around the forty-five, fifty to forty-six hundred level, it's hard for everybody else to get excited because you know, and and to get too too directional because you know that if you get too directional and the market starts to actually move over the course of the next week or two, um, you know, it could it could it could really set you back as far as uh, what you're trading. So you know, it's like the FX market is grinding, but the other markets are just kind of stationary. So. I've seen a little bit of a tail off over the last couple of weeks, but I think volatility is going to be coming back here. Uh, oh, in big cove, big, big Yeah.
0: Well, you remind me very much of uh, some of the dance moves I used to pull off back in the 90s, this grinding action, but uh, maybe we'll leave that, one, but leave that one well alone. I want to explore some of these key themes because I'm actually, yeah, you know, I think the market conditions are quite uh, you know, interesting. I think people are looking ahead into 2024 and seeing a clear picture emerge on an economic basis, which I think we need to explore. So let's crack straight into it. Let's get going and uh, let's go into topical funder. Right. The U.S. dollar is facing its worst month of the year. Um, we are down hard against all currencies at the moment. Um, and December is not actually a great month for the U.S. dollar. In fact, the U.S. dollar index, the Dixie, has fallen for six Decembers in a row. Um, I think part, large part of that is, is that down to the dollar CNH. We've been talking about that last week in, in, in some length. And you know, the dollar CNH typically falls into in December, and I think that resonates into G10 um but for me blake if I, if i if i can um, i think the market is front running a situation in 2024 um, where they're seeing the us growth slowing down from current pace of, sort of 2% or so in Q4 to get down to sort of like 50 basis points, maybe 80 basis points in Q3 where we're going to hit a low, which is going to be below trend. And in that environment, the US does not need real rates on 10-year treasury, real ten-year real rates of, of 2.1%. They should be closer towards 1%, 1.5%. So I think you know the dollar's front-running that, gold's front-running that situation. Uh, obviously, the Fed are going to be easing um, next year. The market's got very excited about that. Um, And so I think the market's front running that situation, plus also the fact that, you know, Treasury is obviously very well bid and that U.S. data is mean reverting. You know, the the exceptionalism story has been called into question. U.S. data um, is missing the mark to an extent, uh, whereas the rest of the world is looking less bad. So we've got a bit of mean reversion in that exceptionalism trade. And the dollar is getting smacked at the moment, you know, against all currencies. So, you know, where are you seeing the opportunity? Are Are you looking to, you looking to sell rips here or, or, or yeah, how are you playing the dollar and, and against what?
1: All right. Well, uh, first of all, you, you open up a huge can of worms and you only gave me a one point, one minute and uh, 15 seconds to talk about it. So I'm going to say that as far as the dollar goes, uh, I I'm, I'm in the camp that, yeah, we are re- mean reverting, but I don't think we live in a world where you're going to start to see us growth really take a tumble and not the rest of the world. So in other words, Yeah, U.S. growth is moderated, but if if the Fed is going to be cutting rates, what are other central banks going to be doing in the next year as well? And I think that's going to catch up and bite the rest of the market. Uh, You know, the market's been leaning on the dollar the last few days. Uh, It's been widely, widely reported that month end, uh, we're going to have aggressive dollar selling. And I believe that the market's gotten ahead of, uh, you know, trying to front run this. And uh, actually, our colleagues over at the UK trade off they had a good talk about month end uh, as well. So you should catch that show if you can as well. But I agree with what Ryan Littlestone, my colleague said over at Forex Analytics that, you know, the US dollar, yeah, maybe under pressure, but I don't, I, I, I I think the market's just getting ahead of itself at this point. And I think that the market is trying to front run this move. As we go into the last couple of days, we have some pretty key data coming out. Uh, that could obviously move the market, but I'm more of a dip buyer in the dollar at these levels. I like these levels. Ever since the last couple of weeks, um, you can see the dollar against the euro continues to move higher. Same against the Aussie and the Kiwi, but we're also, I think, up against some pretty major, major levels. Not just the dollar, but also precious metals as well.
0: So I'm going to take the opposite side of you there, Blake. I actually, I think that from a top-down perspective, you know, this low vol environment we've got across asset class at the moment, um, the positive trending equity markets, we, yeah, we potentially could, if, if the NASDAQ breaks out top side of this 16,060 sort of um, consolidation high, you know, credit spreads remain tight. Yeah, the dollar's going to face benign, you know, headwinds from, from from that, from a, just from a, from a, a top-down perspective. Uh, and I suspect that there is a, an elevated probability that's happened. So, you know, if, if equities rip again and you know, commodities are strong and, you know, you're seeing that then I think that, that people are going to high beta effects. And, and so I, I I'd probably be yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be buying dollars now if I didn't have a position. If I was long, I'd stay long. Um, but I'd probably be uh, sorry. If I was short, I'd be staying short US dollars. But I'd be actually selling rallies in the US dollar side. I just and until vol was pick up a little bit, I, I'd probably take the other side of your trade there. Just going into the year year end, I think January. That, could that's what it makes a
1: market, man. That's what makes it does. A it does. I, I
0: think you know, January could be a very very lively time for the US dollar, and and that's where I think you know tactically I I feel like we could we could flip this one. But right now I'm I'm taking the other side of that trade. All
1: right. Well, you know um.
0: Want to talk about some volatility?
1: Let's let's switch topics and let's go over to the Treasury auctions. And um, I know I don't have a schedule right in front of me, but today we had a seven-year auction. Had a little bit of a volatility in the markets, and what what we've seen over the last couple of weeks are you know especially some of the longer-term duration like the ten-year notes auction I believe was last week. We've we've been seeing volatility pick up around. These, uh, these bond auctions that have been coming out around, it's around, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, jump in the comments down below if I am. It's around 1 p.m. Eastern. My time zones are a little screwed up with our time change. But... Right around then we're getting these auction results it's it's provide a lot of volatility i'm not a bond trader never was a bond pit trader i, I know some of the terminology like you know the bid to cover and you know it's a total amount of bids received divided by the amount of bonds sold at auction you know and, and traders are looking is the bed bid to cover ratio is it rising or falling and how quickly is it moving it's oh it's the tail you want to look at isn't it it's yeah yeah then you then you have the tail and the tail the and a and a and a and a Fat tail is not necessarily good, but actually you know, it's
0: a very bad thing.
1: Yeah, the tail not tail is the high yield minus the bond when issued yields negative tail means that an auction went better than expected with a higher than expected demand, but positive tail tells us the auction didn't go as well because the yield realized in the auction exceeded market expectations. And I was taking that from actually some uh, 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 some an excerpt from another trader uh regarding the tail because i for me i always have a, like a difficult time explaining it but the fact of the matter is people are start are starting to look at what the demand is you know what are the durations where are people where are traders coming in scooping them up like we have some we have some uh some some uh very short-term paper uh being auctioned off tomorrow and the rest of the week i think traders are gonna be looking about looking at the demand there to see you know how much hedging is going on in the markets what are your thoughts on the on these auctions that have been going off that have been creating volatility in the markets there, Chris?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm glad you brought this one up because there's a lot of people who have who've become very uh, – who have had to sort of do their homework on bond auctions and, and what it means. But obviously, with the Fed out of the market and, and the private sector, obviously, uh, a lot more price sensitive – uh, the idea about these demands uh, to fund the government's deficit is is very much in fitting now. So, yeah, the tail I think is is the yeah the bid, bid to cover can be manipulated effectively by primary dealers to make it look like there's higher demand. Um, but the the tail is what yeah people look at primarily, and and you you give a good explanation. But for me, it's more yeah you know, where was the yield trading just before the auction. And and if they're trying to get this away, the full amount, what was the what was the, 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 the highest yield that someone took? You know, if they're really trying to get away all these bonds, you know, someone you know, someone's come in in the auction and, and decided that they don't want to pay that market price, they want to they want to get the yield higher. And and it's the, the higher the yield, the higher the tail. Uh, means that, yeah, that's a reflection of demand. And what we saw yesterday in the seven-year 7, seven year auction was that tail was 2.1 basis points above where it was trading prior to the auction, which is a, a very large amount, which means they've had trouble getting this away. The other one you want to look at is, is the level, um, the primary dealers. Now, primary dealers are the banks that are mandated, you know, if there's anything left, that hasn't been sold, they have to buy it from the federal, from the U.S. Treasury. You know, so if the private sector and um, indirect buyers and direct buyers you know, don't mop up everything that's needed to come out, then 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 the, the the dealers, the primary dealers, have to take that on their balance sheets, and 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 effectively they took twenty percent of the issue. Um, which is, a, is is a reasonably high amount. So it was a poor bond auction. And of course, in that situation, yeah, you know, people look at this very very closely. So it's pretty clear when you look at that 20-year bond auction recently, and also the 7-year bond auction, uh, that the, you know, the demand is drying up in certain parts of the tenure. So yeah, you know, I think that that's something that the Treasury Department and, will be looking at very closely.
1: And I and I need to mention this before we move on. I mean, today it created the top in the equity markets. Today's high. I'm not saying it's the top top, but it's it created today's high. The dollar found a bottom right when that auction went off. And so it's something that we as traders need to be paying attention to. And it's and I think it's one of those variables that not every trader, especially if you're dealing currencies and you're not really familiar with when the US Treasury's, you know, the, their schedule, then you know you should start paying a little bit closer attention. Well you we, do we
0: need to flip it over, mate, but I mean yeah, the, the U.S. dollar is just a reflection of what's happening in the U.S. bond market right now, right? You know, you overlap a chart of the U.S. the dollar index against you know five or ten year Treasuries, and 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 there's a very strong correlation. So, you know, if you are, you know, if you're looking fundamentally at the U.S. dollar, which some people do, um, and you and you're not paying attention to the Treasury, yeah, uh, um, you know, Treasury moves, then then obviously you're not really looking at the right fundamentals.
1: And I know we need to move along. Just mark your calendars, December 11th, uh, 10, three-year auction. That's like the next big auction that I could see on the schedule.
0: Um, so at least mark that date down. All right, let's continue. <laughs> cool, yeah. I want to go into volatility, but, you know, we talked about the VIX, um, the, volat- the S&P volat- 30-day implied volatility at 12%. Um, yeah, that sort of gives a, a daily move in the S&P of about, oh, sorry, on a weekly basis of about 1.8%. So that's very low. Um FX volatility is where I'm looking at, and, you know, you've seen the JP Morgan global FX volatility levels now, yeah, 7%, which is the lowest level since um, early 2022. So we started the year with, with FX volatility sort of sliding, and it's come right down. So the moves we're seeing, very low. Yeah, euro dollar this year has traded in an 80, 828 pip range high to low, which is the, well the second lowest high to low range. Since the the inception of the euro in the, in the late nineties, so I think this is a, a really interesting theme that we do have very very low vol. Now for me, Blake, if I can, part you know for me it's the PBOC um, suppressing volatility, actively suppressing um, volatility in the and also the Bank of Japan, uh, not only you know incredibly threatening intervention, but also, you know, frustrating a lot of people who have been betting against the change in, in negative interest rates and also um, YCC. And when you've got the two biggest banks in in Asia, central banks in Asia suppressing volatility, what do what do options traders do? They sell vol, and, and I think you know you've got that down. Plus, the market's obviously looking for, um, you know, rate cuts next year. So, do we see a change in volatility? Do we see higher range expansion in 2024? What changes that for you if it does?
1: Well, I, I guess we need to start with the BOJ, as you mentioned, and I and I know that this year we had hoped that the BOJ was going to make or make their move this year, uh, and it looks like it's going to be you know the first quarter of this next year. So that's a, number one. I mean, that's that's what's going to create a little bit of volatility. Also, the higher for longer mantra going into two thousand twenty-four. I don't think people really understand what the Fed. And what other central banks mean by that. And the reason why that's going to create volatility is to, because you're getting all these interest rate cut expectations. And when the market has to pare back those, maybe not for every country and maybe not for every central bank, but at least the Fed and maybe some other, maybe a few other central banks out there, maybe maybe uh, the, the, uh, the Bank of England uh, as well. But you get other central banks that are going to be like, OK, we have to cut. We will cut. And then you get other central banks like the Fed and let's say, you, you know, like I said, let's say the Bank of England, just for example, they decide to keep rates higher. You're going to see that massive movement in FX volatility going into next year. So I think those are the two predominant themes that I'm going to be looking for going into 2024. However, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what I'm going to get everybody for Christmas this year. So
0: <laughs> buy them a, buy them some volatility. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I don't
1: know.
0: Buy some long-dated Vix calls. Yeah, I mean they would be expensive, but uh, there you go. Um, no, I, I think um, yeah, I think you make a point there. The Bank of Japan are key to this. Um, if 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 yeah, there's a, there's a strong consensus trade to be long yen into 2024, um, and rightly so. There's there's a lot of things that could work for the yen in in 2024. Um, I think the PBOC if they're happy to tolerate yuan strength, that would that would create higher volatility. Um, but also, you know, whilst the, the swaps markets are pricing, you know, reasonably aggressive rate cuts from the Fed, the ECB, the Bank of England, well, pretty much everyone except the RBA and the Bank of Japan in, in G10. Um, you know, will we actually get that? Will everyone move in in a concerted manner? Um, or will they, will they go at different paces and, and, and different speeds and different starting points? I think if we, if we get that, um, then, then we get volatility and we get divergence uh, from a policy level. And I think that, that that would be very interesting at the moment. The market's saying that all these central banks will probably you know, start cutting at a similar sort of time and at a similar sort of pace, um, which I think is, again, suppressing volatility. But if we don't get that, if the Fed push back and they start easing at a later point, um, I think that will cause volatility and, and trends in effects in markets. I think that's going to be one of the big themes that I'm taking out for next year.
1: All right, let's go into the last topic and let's talk about the markets, Chris. And, and you'll notice that um, when I when I say markets, I'm talking about marking time. You know, as you pointed out a little bit earlier, Euro, US dollar one month implied volatility is at seven. Uh, if you look at the S&P, we're, we've been basically within close to a percent trading range for the last five trading days. The market has gone kind of silent, you know, and the the, the FX market is grinding as we come into month end. And you know, this is the time that us as traders, we have to be a little bit more careful. I I actually, if you follow me on Twitter, I, I tweeted something about this yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. I think most of you do follow me on Twitter, but it but I said. You know, to be around for the good times, you also got to be around for the bad times or the boring times. If you're around for the boring times, you can be around for the good times. That means in the markets, we do a lot of fiddling our thumbs, waiting for things to pop up. But don't worry, because at the end of this week, going into next week, we've got a lot of events that could move the market. One of them being, um, you know, tomorrow we got advanced GDP numbers. Advanced GDP numbers could be moving the markets. And actually, just after we're done filming here, some of you may have already witnessed Australian CPI, the RBA rate decision, even though they're expected to keep rates unchanged. If it's a dovish hold, you know, could see some volatility there. We got PCE on Thursday in the US. Even though we get so many of the inputs into PCE, it's not really a big surprise on Thursday. Still could be a market mover. And we have end of month flows on Thursday as well, which undoubtedly is going to be a big mover because I think a lot of people are front running it, which Chris and I are obviously sitting on opposite sides of that. Um, next week, we have the RBA decision, Bank of Canada, and we have the U.S. jobs report. We also have Canadian jobs report this Friday. So there's a lot of events that can move the needle and create volatility, but be patient. I know it's boring sometimes, but uh, Chris, aside from, you know, drinking your bottle of whiskey next to your desk that you have in your coffee mug when it, when the times are slow, what do you do
0: to uh, keep yourself busy? All right. They said they so the. There's always options um, out there. I mean, I think that there's stuff moving around right now. You just got to look around for it. So, um, I, you know, my strategy it depends on your strategy. If you're running a momentum-based strategy, you're looking for stuff that's moving and, you know, rate of change and all those factors, and 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 you get your entry and and obviously risk and you know, bits and pieces. If you're mean reverting, you're looking for that. So, I think it's really more down to strategy. There's always going to be. Um, a market or an instrument that, that that fits that strategy, you just got to work out whether you want to pay the spread for that, or and what the liquidity is like, and that, and and the hours and bits and pieces. So that's it. So I mean, there's always something that that I want to trade. Um, it's just yeah, looking for that that perfect setup, that predictable, that high conviction setup, regardless of the asset class. So that's that's the most important situation. Um, but I do think that we go into December. Yeah, the, the most important thing for me. You talk about this mark in time. Um, that payrolls number on the 9th of December, I think, is going to be massive. You know, like we've we, we've seen a, a, a calling of the labour market last month. And, yeah, could we see the unemployment rate push to four um, percent? Yeah, we got the CPI number just shortly after that one. Again, I think that that could be a big one. So they're the two big things I'm going to be looking at in December. If we get a slight cooling of the labour market again, if we get 170,000, 160,000 jobs um, and and the CPI number goes down and, and, and follows that last trajectory, yeah, we could be ripping in risk into the end of the year on the back of that. You don't want to be shorts, and, and that sort of plays into that short US dollar position in that. So I think we're in a bit of a holding position. Yeah, look, I think the CPI numbers in Australia are going to give you an idiosyncratic event. Um, depending what happens, that, that could really play into the February pricing at the moment for the RBO, which is 50-50. And you've got some idiosyncratic, but from a US perspective, which of course you know dominates the asset, the, the sort of cross asset class situation. Um, yeah, I think really looking ahead into payrolls and also looking ahead CPI we're going to be a bit of a holding period of that but I think the outcome of that could see you know risk really ripping into into the new year so for anyone hoping for a, a quiet Christmas if you if you yeah, know if, if, if you do celebrate Christmas um, it's not going to happen you're going to be trading <laughs> that's the bottom line <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's there no break for anyone yeah we we're, we're just, just just trading the Christmas break anyway let's go to uh, that's a setup <laughs> Going to go bold i'm gonna go gold let's bring it up because obviously what we're seeing here everyone's saying to me chris it's just a, it's just a reflection of what's happening in in the us dollar and i'm like well yes but gold's ripping in all currencies. So it's not just a US dollar play. This You can even get you know, the, the strongest currency and you can still see gold moving higher in that currency. So obviously, there's a numerator and there's a denominator with this and the, the denominator is the currency and that's the US dollar. Um, and the dollar has been selling off. But what we're doing, so what we are seeing is gold moving up in all currency terms. Um, you know, real rates uh, have started to recouple again with gold. And you know, you've got five-year rail rates dropping to the downside quite sharply. As I said, my thesis here is that the market's looking into 2024 um, and seeing uh, lower real rates and, and front running that. Um, but gold's obviously doing very nicely here. So obviously, it's removed all its geopolitical hedge. It's just really a focus on what's happening next year and, and, and some dollar weakness as well. So I like your higher. Um, yeah, what was the, We were 1.7% away from all-time highs that we reached in August 2020. Um, given my view on the dollar there, Blake, um, I'm, I'm a buyer of pullbacks. Um, how are you seeing this technically?
1: Well, uh, you know, yesterday I blogged about this um, on our on the Forex Analytics blog. It was just, I, I was looking for upside target because it held the 38% retracement, held the 200 DMA, should reach for 2059, which is the 161% extension of that 38% retracement dip, uh, which we're only what, maybe less than 20 points away from. So I still think that, you know, the theme is as of right now, dollars week we got dollar selling in a month end. that's only going to play into the hand of gold continuing higher now if if i'm right and i think that a lot of that dollar selling has been done and we start to see some some of that reverse into tomorrow then gold might reach for that 2060 level and maybe find some resistance up there ahead of the major triple top you know and that's
0: major resistance up there chris we can't deny it right there's going to be some wood to chop, isn't there? There's going to be some wood it to is. chop for the, uh, for the gold balls to get through those levels.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that's kind of freaking me out, and this is where you and I see things, you know, I don't want to say differently, but I do see things maybe a little bit differently here. Let's flip it to um, my first setup, which is going to be High Hold Silver. That's you know, silver. <laughs> I, swear, I was this, wondering
0: how long you were going to hold that for. That was, I was, was waiting for
1: the producer. I, that's all I was really waiting for. I was I could have continued on. Um, Blake, 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 shut up, shut up, move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, first of all, um, we we just broke this minor trend line, uh, a, a one triangle resistance higher. We have this inverted head and shoulder pattern, it takes us above twenty five. But once you get around, we are at twenty five right now on spot silver between 25 and 2540 you see an 88% retracement long term trend line which isn't perfect which you know technical analysis is never an exact science it's you know if it was an exact science we'd all be gazillionaires but it's not so you can see that trend line comes in right around 25 and a quarter 2540 somewhere around there i think we're getting up towards some very key resistance so with gold reaching for this resistance with silver reaching for this resistance, I think you have to be a little bit more careful with precious metal longs. And I have to say this, Chris, before I turn it over to you. I do not know one precious metal bear or dollar bull.
0: Right. Off to you. Um. Yeah, I mean, there is a bit of a cult, isn't there, with 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 gold and 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 those kind of things. But I mean, I just I'm not bullish or bearish. I just trade the price action, to be honest. And um, yeah. you know, if if the if the market and the momentum flips, I'll be I'll, I'll be short. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I mean, I, I just don't you don't want to fall in love with a position as a trader. Yeah, like fine. If you're an investor and you know you see benefits of that, then yeah. But I mean, for me, if I look at like one of the things I look at, Blake is 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 there too much love i know we can look at the relationship with the us dollar but is there too much love in gold and silver right now and and That's what I'm one saying. thing one thing i look at is is risk reversal so you know one week or one month um, call implied volatility minus one month put volatility and the premium that we've got for call volatility is higher than puts, but it's not at extreme levels like we saw back in October, for example. Yeah, that tells me when the market's saying with, with risk reversals that if we're going to have a move, they're betting an options market that it's going to be a far more pronounced move to the upside than the downside. We that, that, That's usually a really good sentiment indicator. When it gets too stretched, um, you know, that, that's when you potentially can take contrarian positions or, you know, just maybe like tighten that stop right up. Um, we're not anywhere near those points at the moment. And also the other thing you should look at is, is how far above uh, how much of a premium gold and silver wear to the 50 day moving average. When it gets too far out, you can see a bit of mean reversion kick in and we're not that far off in, in terms of how stretched we are. So a couple of things I look at, obviously you can look at positioning and I don't think positioning in gold is and or silver is, is overly gone at the moment. So look, yeah, if, if I'm taking those, those sort of things that give me, make me nervous as a, yeah, you know, as a gold or silver long, I, I'm not seeing those at the moment. So yeah obviously we we'll see what happens with the us dollar and, and and various factors and real rates but um if we take these take the you know sentiment towards these in in isolation i'm i'm not seeing euphoria or or, or overloved quick one to you before we just touch on dolly M. you look at the dsi very very closely what what are gold and silver in terms of um, daily sentiment index uh
1: you know I, I i haven't looked at today's reading but i know gold's uh, dsi was in the it was in the 80s like the the mid to high 80s so we're getting up there. Not, not extreme yet, though. It's it's cool. not
0: extreme either. So Cool. Well, let's go to Dolly Yen. We'll just keep on the, uh, the Dolly Yen vibe. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, I think this is a big consensus trade for 2024. People are front-running this one at the moment. Um, yeah, there's a lot to like, as I say, about Japan. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dolly Yen's trading on yield differentials. Yeah, the, the difference between what we're seeing in, in, in 10-year or 5-year um, U.S. Treasuries relative to JGBs. And, and that, that premiums come in. And of course, dollar yens come down. We've, we're testing the, the low of the, the iCloud at the moment. Um, some people look at this, some people don't. But I, I do know that the, the, the Intramuca cloud gets a really big run in Japan and specifically with Japanese assets, the Nikkei, uh, the Topics, and also yeah, the yen pairs. So we're right on that that bottom of the the, the cloud at the moment, it needs to bounce. If it breaks through that, generally speaking, you know, you're going to get when price breaks the cloud, it's a good momentum tool uh, and you want to be trading you know, dollar yen from the short side. It does t- does signal a momentum shift, a, t- a trend, a potential trend change. I think that trend trade's coming. I think dollar yen you know, is, is a sell on rallies candidate every day of the week at the moment. We're going to see changes to NERP in the beginning of the year. YCC is effectively over. If you have a look at Bank of Japan policy or inflation, the metrics they look at, whether you're looking at the weighted average, the mode, yeah, the media and all these factors they look at different inflation numbers that they're, they're all above target at the moment there's no reason the bank of japan should be having this policy and they need to change um uh so yeah we like the yen we would love the yen if we were to see massive volatility in markets and drawdown because i think the, uh, the yen would be a portfolio hedge there but we're not seeing that at the moment so yeah lot reasons to like the yen um i think if this breaks through the cloud i think that that's just more reasons to be short here how are you seeing it
1: Well, uh, Ichimoku is a Latin phrase, right? I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a chance Japanese technical indicator. Mm. Of course it is. And yeah, so yen traders are always going to be looking at the Ichimoku clouds. And I, look, it's at cloud support. That's not the reason I covered my short. I was short uh, dollar yen. Uh, I think we talked about this last week, Chris, about the, the year of the yen or the you know time for the yen was our, on our last week's show. Should go back and listen to last week's trade-off. Uh, I, I was short around the 150 level, just shy of 150. Close it out today as we approach that 147.50 level. But look, it closed week. And I agree with you. I, I can't be bullish this. I'm just selling rallies. So I'm hoping we get a, a rally or a dollar recovery. And I'm just going to sell into it. I'm just going to look for levels to sell into. So, it's interesting. And, you know,
0: I was, was going to say, I was going to say, you, just your point. Um, just jumping because I think it just complements your your view. Um, not all dollars are, are created equally. So you no. can take a view uh, that, you, that you're you're looking at turn in in the dollar, but that might be against the pound and against the euro, but right. against the yen, that's a whole different beast, isn't it? So.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Not 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 every size fits all feet, or shoe <laughs> fits all. Feet. <laughs> well, wait, I don't know how the saying goes. It's late in the day for me, folks. All right, but anyway, dollar yen, I like it. I, I like selling rallies, and if we bl- break, if we break the cloud, we might all be chasing it lower. With uh, and, and Chris will be laughing at us all the way. All right, um, let's go take a look at the the last uh last setup. My last setup. This is gonna be the euro Aussie. Now you remember two weeks ago I brought this up as a setup. We we're tightening in this triangle, and guess what? Tonight, and and this will be right as you're watching the show. You might have seen the show. Uh, or maybe a recording right after the Aussie CPI comes out. If the Australian CPI, which is slated to come out in less than or less than two hours from right now, the time of recording, that comes in a little bit stronger, we might actually have a double top setup. So watch the Euro Aussie on a breakdown towards the 200 DMA. If we get below the 200 DMA and below that horizontal support that comes in at, let me just get the number for you right off the top of my head. Uh, it's at 164. 50, basically. We break below that. We got a big double top. That should take us well well below 162. The 162 level around there is 161% extension of this range, but we could even go lower than that. That's how I'm looking at the Euro-Aussie on a strong Australian print tonight. How do
0: you see the Euro-Aussie there, Chris? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, I don't know whether the inflation number is going to come out, but you've got no, Governor no. Bullock who stepped up and she is she is hawkish you know she seems way more hawkish than um than phil low um she's predefined and the market has responded to this plus you've got all the terms of trade in australia are working well i mean iron ore is ripping at the moment it's come off a little bit the last couple of days but you know if you look at the trend it's a textbook uptrend copper is breaking out. Now I think that's partly down to China, right? So I think China's changed it tra- changing its export mix away from, you know, white goods and, and and furniture and all these kind of bits and pieces and it's 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 a big player in in EVs and, and 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 this new tech, you know, it's changing that and I think that's an interesting one as well. So copper obviously is responding to that. Um, so you know, China's terms of trade are changing, Australia is benefiting. Um, and you've got this really uh, you know, uh, hawkish central banker at the helm and the market is saying that you know, we're getting, we've we're got a 50% chance of the, the RBA raising in February. Think about FX markets on a very simplistic basis. You've got one central bank that could be raising in February. Everyone else is expecting massive easing in 2024. Now, obviously, some of that's in the price, but from a semantics perspective, you've got ultra policy divergence, which favours Euro Aussie to the downside. So fundamentally, whilst a lot of this is in the price, of course, um, I've got to say that I like Euro Aussie fundamentally to the downside for those those very reasons that I just talked about there.
1: But but you say it's it's in the price but if you look at that chart it's been trending higher for years. Which could mean maybe we will see a, a trend change going the other way. I think all, all,
0: all of what you I've know? just been saying is is, is really yeah. a development that's happened over the last week or two. You know, yeah. um, it's Governor Bullock's spoken twice, and and both those times she's spoken, everyone's like, "Whoa, she means business." We don't want to mess around, you know. Here, she she is really very very defined, and um, yeah, we've now got to a point, as I say, where, um, yeah, we're, we're debating whether we the, the RBA are going to be hiking rates again. Um, and the Australian economy is holding up pretty well in, 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 in this rate hiking cycle, um, so yeah, it's very different from Europe, where the, where the debate is, yeah, not about whether we're going to rate hikes. I mean, clearly the, the hiking cycle in Europe is well and truly over. It's a question of will they raise in, in April? Will they raise? Oh, sorry, will they cut in April or will they may? So yeah, that's that's extreme policy divergence. That that, that and, and yeah, that, that suggests to me that maybe uh, maybe euros is a, a good short fundamentally there. Yeah, All right. We'll see. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's see. Let's go to play of the day. Well, I'm, I'm Last week I, I went I went I went a bit nuts um, with cocoa. That trade's working really well, so I'm I'm, I'm still long cocoa. I think that, that that was ripping to the upside. I think yeah, we want to wait, stay there. Obviously, there's pun, there's, pun, there's pun there's pun there's there's puns. Everywhere you can do it. Michael Brown and I were, pun- were having a massive pun down about this earlier on, on Slack between each other. Um, but, yeah, obviously, there's a lot of puns you can make with cocoa. But it's going up. It's a sweet taste. There you go. Um, and I'll stay that one. But I, I like Aussie CAD. Yeah, Aussie CAD for those reasons I just mentioned. Um, you can see the charts going up like that from a momentum perspective. Um yeah, the Canadian dollar's had some upside recently, certainly against the US dollar, of course, but against some of the crosses. Uh, we've got an OPEC meeting in the session um, tomorrow. Uh, I personally don't think we're going to see anything else other than the OPEC uh, plus uh, rolling over their extension, their output cuts into 2024. That's probably the consensus trade. Obviously, if they if they do do deeper cuts, which I think is probably about a 20% probability, then the CAD will probably outperform the Aussie um, in that situation. And that's a real risk for me as, as, as looking someone who wants to be long Aussie CAD. Um, and I'm also saying this, as you talked about before, the uh, Aussie CPI numbers and, and long Aussie CAD numbers need um, a CPI print. So I'm staying out of the Aussie CAD position until the CPI numbers are known. And then, you know, if, if, if we get a, a downdraft, I'm going to be buying into that one because I think, yeah, China's um, yeah, export, the data this week will be slightly better. Um, I'm not expecting much from OPEC, but I just I just like that policy divergence trade that we're talking about. So um, I'll, I'll assess this trade once um, once we know the, the CPI numbers, because obviously if it's a massive miss to the downside, I won't want a piece of this because you know, February will get re- repriced. But if it's there and thereabouts. Uh, with expectations around sort of 5.2, 5.3%. Um, yeah, I'm going to be looking to go long, obviously, CAD, because the trade's working, it's moving up, momentum's there, the market likes it already, and you've got clear momentum shifts and momentum um, policy divergence that's taking that one there. So, yeah, I like, I like this one higher, but yeah, I will, I will re- reassess once I see that CPI number. If it comes in line with expectations, then I'm going to be jumping in. If it's a big miss to the downside that takes February off the table, then that policy divergent trade gets questioned and I don't want to be in there, but we'll We'll assess after the CPI number.
1: All right. Well, um, I, w- I want to say uh, I think everybody should jump down in the comments. Tell us your your cocoa puns, and uh, why don't you let us know how big of a crush Chris actually has on the new RBA Governor Michelle Bullock? All right. We're going to move along to my play of the day, uh, and that's going to be the dollar index, and I am looking for tactical longs, Chris. And I know this is being brave. Uh, I you know closed out the dollar shorts that I wanted to close out. Uh, last week I was long the US dollar Swedish Krona on the, um, on the hawkish hold. I thought it was going to be a hawkish hold. It was, uh, the, the dollar Swedish Krona spiked up. I sold it. I bought it again. I got stopped out today actually, uh, as it broke lower, but I still believe in the dollar down here because the 618 retracement is at 102.50. I also believe that, uh, the RSI is getting a little oversold on the daily chart, but that's not the reason why, because I think that everybody is bearish the dollar right now and i think this this uh the 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 story is well out that there's going to be massive selling in us dollars for month end i think the market's front running it i believe we're going to see a reversal of that over the next couple of days i want to see the dollar index back above 10320 and i'm looking to go tact tactically long the dollar and against some some uh some key currencies
0: so there you go <laughs> right, i've just said that literally as we're talking right now i've just seen a headline come out on bloomberg bill ackman bets the fed will cut rates in the first quarter of next year um, oh I, bill I, it's gonna get it's gonna get a lot of headlines it's gonna get a lot of headlines bill ackman positioning himself uh, i imagine it either in sofa or fed funds futures or something like that piling in q1 just doesn't i mean I, I, he that, that I,
1: guy I, never never ever talks his book ever
0: Ever. Why, why? Why wouldn't you talk your book? I mean, of course he does. Yeah, you guys, why he will. But why? Why is that unethical? I mean, I just, I, 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 you know, like if I've got a position, you know what? We're all big boys and, and girls. I'm not like, saying it's yeah.
1: unethical, but of course he's long risk right now. He's gonna just yeah, continue. Man. He's gonna press it. How's he well, gonna is press he, it? Is, is he Let's long throw out headlines or... like this.
0: Yeah, is, he, is he long risk or is he not long risk? I mean, is, is he's he defensive? Long risk. Bye, he's bye, like bye, every bye. other
1: asset manager that's trying to play catch up to the to the indices this year. I would
0: argue it's the opposite. Though. I mean, if you're if you're if you're betting that the Fed are going to cut rates in Q1, that that to me is uh, well, you know, you're right. It could it could be that that they're in a position they don't need to, or it could be a position that they need to get ahead of the game because the data sours quite sharply in, in, in that position and they need to do some adjustment um some, some emergency cuts. So there's two ways to skin a cat in this situation. But um he, he yeah, wants
1: yeah. To, he wants to deliver some nice presents to his his folks in his office this summer uh, I don't think he's gonna this, get them to be this, honest. This I think the Fed season. are going to
0: push back on that one pretty pretty hard. Um, right. I think right. something's gonna have to materially change for the Fed to cut in, in Q one. But mate, look you know if if I've got a big position in the market you know, tell people about it. It's only going to do you any favors. It's it's for us to make. You know, we're all we're all intelligent human beings. I can sit there and say I don't like Bill Ackman's trade. I think that's I'll take the other side of it, and and I won't. I'm not going to go and blindly copy him just because it's Bill Ackman. Um, so I think anyone who just sits there and says, "Oh, you know, I'm just going to copy someone," you know, mole fool them. You've got to take your own views and, and do your own research. To use a cliche, so. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that we all know. Yeah, I think mean, all in all in. Institutional and professional investors will sit there and go, "Interesting, Bill Ackman's, you know, going for this situation." But you know, you, you you've got your own views on the market. So anyway, I think that's uh, that's an interesting one. I'm sure it's going to get some headlines. Anyway, thank you everyone for watching the show today and staying on on this long. If you've made it this far, we really appreciate it. Smack the like button, leave us a comment. Um, love to hear from you, and we'll see you back next week for more of the trade off.